0: Okay, so let's do uh, a little class over here, Torah T, on Pinchas 5782, and this is based on a talk by the Rebbe in Pinchas 4. Now, this doesn't have a direct connection with the portion of Pinchas, what we're going to talk today. The reason why we're going to talk today, today we're going to talk about Ashray. Is everybody familiar with the prayer of Ashray? That we say, I mean, Ashrei is a pretty much uh, known prayer they sing. Ashrei, Yahushua, everybody knows the prayer of Ashrei. But you may have not known, so, what is the connection between Ashrei and Pinchas? So, I mean, we can start finding uh, some connections that uh, between. Uh, what happened with Pinchas in the beginning of the portion and with the uh, Korbanot that we learn later on and all the various different things but the real connection, the way the Rebbe connects it is because the Zohar uh, the Holy Zohar on the portion talks about Ashrei, so that's why uh, the Rebbe talks about Ashray over here now you may not know. The chapter of Tehillim, okay, starts with the words Tehillah David. It does not start with the word Ashrei. The word Ashrei, the one word, Ashrei Yoshe v'Sochu Oyda Lucha Selo. Ashram Shakochalo Ashram ashem Hashem lechakov are the verses that are from the previous chapter of Psalms. They incorporated this in the chapter of Tehillah L'david. Tehillah L'david, I believe, is chapter 145. The verse, Asherah Yosheh Vesecha, those are the last two verses in chapter 144. They incorporated it, so in our davening, uh, we call it ashray, that's what we call that prayer. Basically, that's the chapter of Psalms. You know, that chapter of Psalms is a very important chapter. You know, before the davening, you know, we say all the verses of song, we say some Tehillim, we say some with the chapters, but the chapter of ashray is considered to be a very important chapter you know let's say somebody who doesn't have the ability or the time whatever it is to daven the whole davening so then if you have to choose like pieces of the davening which one should say then you would say ashray ashray is a very important part of the davening. and 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 the reason why it is so important ashray because really there is one very powerful verse over there over there one verse, No, by the way it goes with the olive base, if you take a look in the the ashray, let me see if I can put it on the screen Um, let me see if I can put this on the screen I can't hear you is it me or you, let me see let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Speakers are hundred percent. Anybody else want to say something so I can hear? Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I could hear you. Yeah. Okay. So All right. it's Janice. It's your speakers. You have to. I'm, did I mute you? No. No. It's your 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 microphone isn't working because I hear everybody else. It's something, to, it's by you, because I hear the other people. So it's not my speakers. Anyway, in any event, uh, so we, if we're going to do, um, if, you, if you wanted, let me just show you this for a second. Um, let me just show you for a second. Um, if you do, like I'm going to do, is this better? Show you for a second in the, Prayers in the chakras, okay? Janice, I still can't hear you. Or I don't know if she's on. I don't see you on. So look in the chakra prayer. So let's take the uh, ashray. Actually, we'll use it in a minute also. Um, I just want to show you. So, Rabbi, Rabbi, yeah, yes? what does ashray mean? The word, ashray, ashray means lucky. Mean? lucky. Lucky. Lucky is uh, that means ashray. So here, I want to show you. Um, let's go. So, this is so if somebody had to pray something, you would say, do the Ashrei prayer. Uh, uh, here, you see? So, you have Ashrei Yoshwe Vesekha, Ashrei Ham These two verses, Ashrei Yoshwe Vesekha, and Ashrei Ha'am, they belong to the verse beforehand. They belong to the chapter 144 the chapter 145 begins with Tehillah David. and it goes to the end of the chapter that's what we do over here and uh, so this chapter is considered to be a very powerful chapter uh, and again they just added the first two verses uh, we refer to it as Ashrei, but really the chapter opens up with the words Tehillah David. That is a praise to David. Now, if you take a look, it starts like this. This is Aleph, right? This is Beis. This is Gimel. It goes through the Aleph Beis. This is Dalet. Mrs. Reinen, you can't see on the phone, but you can trust us. I'm showing everybody how the letters of each verse begins with another letter of the alphabet, Alphabet, right? The Hebrew Alphabet, and here you have a He, and then you have a Vov, you see? And then you have a Zion. It goes through the alphabet. So that's one thing that this chapter goes through every letter of the alphabet. Almost, there's some exception to that. But there's one very powerful verse uh, in this chapter, Uh, The verse says like this. This is the verse. It says, You open your hand. We're talking about Hashem. You satisfy all living things, their wishes. Basically, we're saying that Hashem sustains and satisfies and gives all living things Hashem provides for them. This is considered to be a very powerful verse. And because of that verse, like I said, if somebody has to pick and choose which of the prayers to say, he doesn't say all the prayers. So we suggest to him or her that let them say the Ashray prayer, this Ashray Yoshevi Sekha. Again, we call it Ashray, but this is the Tehillah Ledavid uh, from that chapter. Okay? So that's, that's a. Uh, an important prayer. But then we find something even more significant. So let's go back to over here, to our uh, slide. So over here you find a piece of the Talmud. In the Talmud, in the Tracted Brachas, it says like this, says Rabbi Elazar in the name of Rabbi Abino. anybody who says Tihila le David, the yom. If you say Tihilah le David, that's the ashray, but it's, it uses the Talmud, uses the first. If you say Tihilah le David every day, not only you say it every day, you say it shalosh pa'amim, you say it three times. Anybody who says three times a day, Tehillah David Muftakh Lo Shahub Ben Olam Haba He's guaranteed that you will get the world to come. Seemingly a very, very strong blessing and a, uh, a promise that just to say three times Tehillah David that's that chapter of Psalms if you say it Shalosh pe'amim, you say it three times a day, then you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed that you will get olam haba. You will get the world to come. That's a very powerful blessing. Now, we're not going to go in so much uh, why is it so much a powerful blessing for it. Now, we said Some of the verses over there we say Hashem opens up His hands and feeds everybody and that shows a tremendous level of trust and love and care for Hashem. But these verses seem to be more, uh, even amongst other verses, more profound in a way. And therefore, if you say it three times, If you say it three times every day, then you're guaranteed that you will have the world to come. Why three times? Why three times? So Rashi explains the three times correspond to the three prayers. How many prayers do we pray every day? We pray shacharit. Mincha, and Arvit. So the three times that we do Te'ilah David, that corresponds to the three prayers of every day. So, very interesting. So, we know before Mincha, how does Mincha start? Anybody know how Mincha starts? Mincha starts with Ashrei. Is your microphone working? No. Okay. Minch starts with the prayer of Ashray. Okay? Uh, Shacharit has two times Ashray. But Ma'ariv doesn't have any Ashray. When we do the evening service, we don't have Ashrei over there. So, the question is, if we're doing the three times tehillah le David, three times we do it, because it corresponds to the three davenings, why don't we do Ashrei by Mariv? In actuality, We do ashray two times in Shacharit. And we do it one time in Mincha and we don't do it in Ma'ariv at all. But we just said the reason we do it three times because it corresponds to Ma'ariv, to the three prayers that we have. So how come we don't do ashray by Ma'ariv? We do two times in Shacharit. If you take a look, I'll show you the sitter again. If you look in the Siddur, you'll see this is the one time we say Ashrei. This is before we do the Amida, before we do the Shemona Eshrei. Right in the Pesukah de Zimrah, we do Ashrei. We do again Ashrei after we do the Amida. You see, we have Shema Yisrael and the Amida. After this, over here, after the Dabning, we do again after the Torah reading, when there's Torah reading, we do again, ashray. See, we have again, ashray, yesh, visekha, and we have Tehilo, David. So, essentially, in Shakris we do it twice. In mincha we do it once. And in Maariv we don't do it at all. But if the reason why we do it three times is because it corresponds to the three prayers... <laughs> So then the question is, why don't we do it in Mariv? Why do we why do we skip why do we skip Marib? We should do it in Mariv too, it would seem. So this is the the question. In actuality, we say Ashray twice in Shacharis and once by Mincha. Why do we say twice? by Shacharis, sorry, why do we say twice by Shachris? and nothing at Mariv? So that's the question we have. Why don't we have Ashray by Mariv? Uh, so, there is a, a dispute in the Talmud whether Mariv is mandatory or not. Okay, so let's go back for a minute and let's back up and say, why do we pray three times a day? We do three times ashray because it corresponds to the three prayers of the day. By the way, when we say three prayers, what do we call prayer? What is the meaning of the word prayer? We say we pray three times a day. What do we mean when we say we pray? three times a day. The actual prayer is the Amida. That's when we do the 18-19 brachot that we do. That's called the prayer. That's what we call prayer. Because that's essentially the main part of the prayer is that prayer that we do uh, by uh, That's the the prayer that we do. That's called prayer. So why do we do three prayers every day? So basically, the prayers were instituted in the place of the sacrifices. The prayers were put in the place of the sacrifices. In the time of the temple, of the Beit HaMikdash, they would have two regular... Karbanot, two regular sacrifices every day. One in the morning and one in the afternoon. So basically, the two prayers, the morning prayer, and the afternoon prayer, they correspond to the two sacrifices that they used to bring in the temple every day. Also, the timing of these prayers correspond, they coincide with the timing of the karbanot. So, shacharit, when we daven, the time allotted for the morning prayer, is the same time that we bring the morning korban. The time allotted for the afternoon prayer is the time that we're allowed to bring the afternoon korban. So these are two, that's shacharit and Mincha. Now, what happened in the temple, if they brought korbanot and they didn't get a chance all of it to burn on the altar, on the Mizbeach, so they would leave it for the night time, and it would burn later on in the night time so this is two opinions whether we have to do another prayer to correspond to those sacrifices which haven't burnt yet now you can't bring a new sacrifice but the sacrifices were brought while it's during the daytime but can you and they are burnt at night time do we make another prayer to coincide to correspond with those burnings that took place at nighttime? so there's two opinions in the Talmud one opinion says that Mariv is mandatory just like the first two they're mandatory, Shacharit and Minchar mandatory. The same thing is Arvit, Mariv is mandatory as well. Another opinion says no, it's not mandatory, it's optional because it's not, it doesn't have the same level of obligation as the first two prayers. The second, the third prayer, the prayer of Arvit, of Mariv is not at the same level as the first two, and that is an optional prayer. If a person chooses that to pray that, he can pray. If he doesn't want to pray, he doesn't have to pray. Now, by the way, today it's no longer optional. People have already accepted upon themselves as an obligation. The ruling remains like the opinion that says that it's not mandatory. It's optional. That's the ruling. That's the halakha. However, even though the halacha is that it's not mandatory, for all practical purposes, we continue to consider it as if it was mandatory because we have accepted that to be for us mandatory. And that's why we have to, we have to pray anyways. But we're talking about now, technically, originally. So we go by the ruling that only two times the prayers are mandatory and the next one is optional. Okay. What is the idea, let's understand, what does it mean that we don't have to pray? We don't have to pray basically means that we've accomplished everything that we have to do when we daven two times. Then we've already accomplished everything. So we don't need to pray another prayer in order to accomplish any further. Two times is enough. That's basically the concept when we say two times are mandatory and once is optional, once it's optional means that you don't have to if you daven twice then you have already fulfilled all the davening that you need to do for the day and you've accomplished everything that you have to accomplish if you want to do extra, fine that is what it means optional so the way that Tzamach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe explains the question so why don't we do ashray from Marif? So he says, very simple. He says, at the time when the Talmud says that you have to do it three times, that follows the view that you have to pray three times. If you have to pray three times, then you have to say ashray three times. And then you would actually say, one time ashray you would say by Marif because mariv is mandatory and Ashri therefore is mandatory too but the Tzemach Tzedek says but since the ruling is like the opinion that we only need to pray twice and you don't really have to do mariv you don't have to say Ashri three times to become a ben olam haba to earn the world to come even if you say only two times ashray, you already benefit and you're already guaranteed to be a Ben Olam Haba, just saying it two times. The reason why, the Tzema explains, why the Gemara says that you need to say it three times, is because that follows the view that you have to pray three times. If you have to pray three times, then you have to say ashray three times. But the reason why we don't do ashray ba marif? Because we don't go like the view that you have to daven marif. So therefore marif is optional. So you don't need to say three times ashray in order to be a Bainal Two times is enough. And therefore we don't have to say a third time. Why did we stick it in a third time in shachris? Just to still have the idea of three times we don't need to daven ashray three times according to our uh, ruling that we don't have to daven Mariv we don't have to do ashray three times either make sense? make sense? ok so what the Rebbe asked, but doesn't understand. Really, it's difficult to understand this, because just like Mariv itself is optional, if you want to daven, okay, you don't have to daven, but it's optional, so if you want to, you daven it. So why don't we say the same thing on Ashray? So, whenever you're going to daven marif, why don't you start off with ashray? The ashray will be just as optional as marif itself. You don't have to daven marif and you don't have to say ashray, but if you want... Basically, I mean, this is a problem to try to figure out, again, what we started off is why don't we say ashray how come we don't say Ashrei by Marif? If the Talmud says that you need to say it three times because Rashtis corresponds to the three prayers, and we're saying that, well, we don't need to say it really three times. Twice is enough. But yet, davening also we're saying twice is enough. And then how many times do we actually daven? Three times. So why don't we also do the Ashrei three times? Ashray is such an important part. why don't we do a third time ashray? Uh, if, we ha- if, we, if, if we're able to do that. I mean, there's other reasons some people say why ashray, they have other reasons. But I just share an idea that the Rebbe says over here. Okay, you follow? So basically what we're trying to figure out over here, if ashray is such an important prayer, and Ashrei, the Gemara says, you say it three times, you're guaranteed So even though we rule, like the opinion that it's optional, but why still should we not say the Ashrei? just like we do in the Maru? Why don't we say the Ashri over there? And, and the Rebbe gives an insight over here, what does it mean when something is optional? And the Rebbe says there is two levels of optional things. When we say that something is optional, sometimes we say that Hashem does some things which our prayers can't help or do. Certain things we ask Hashem and Hashem gives us a gift because we ask Him. We pray to Hashem. God forbid somebody is sick in the family. And we pray to Hashem. That we ask Hashem to send them a healing. We ask Hashem to bless us with success. We ask Hashem to have nachas from the children. We ask Hashem for happy marriages we ask Hashem for a lot of things certain things we can ask Hashem and Hashem responds to us certain things Hashem gives us we can't ask it He just gives it in other words we do what we have to do and then we get it as a gift that means that it's optional in other words if we have the power to solicit then we have to solicit. Then it means that it's not optional. But if we don't have the power to solicit, and it's just that Hashem gives it on His own. Say for example, let's find in the Chumash, when the Jews faced the Egyptians that were chasing them, right? And they had the sea in front of them, and the Egyptians behind them, right? So over there the Pasuk said, Hashem yilachem lachem, Moshe Rabbeinu started praying to Hashem to help. Hashem said to him, don't pray now. God is going to fight your war for you and you be silenced. You don't have to say anything. Which means a people's prayer cannot help at all because their prayer cannot reach the level that it should make any difference. It's higher than they making a difference. It is something which Hashem does on His own. Hashem says, you be silent, I will take care of the world. Don't pray to me, I'll take care of it. That means that it comes from such a place where our prayers can't really solicit, we can't elicit, we can't bring down from there. And we can't bring from there down into... By uh, well, so just it's on its own. Sometimes we can't really influence, but we could make sure or we can try that the blessing goes in a right direction. What would be the example for that? You know, rain we ask for, we ask for rain. Why? Because sometimes it rains, sometimes it doesn't. When we need rain for the crops to grow properly, we have to ask for it. And that's one of the differences when the people who are in Egypt, over there they didn't have to ask for rain. In Egypt it never rains. Over there, the fields, the water, the crops come from the Nile River. But in Israel, over there you need rain, so you need to pray to Hashem for rain. But we don't pray To Hashem for do, for example, for tal, for do. Why don't we pray for do? Because do comes down all the time. Okay? Do comes comes down all the time. And yet we say, Moridatol, or we say the same Talamotolivrocha. We want that do that comes down by itself automatically we want it to be for a blessing. So while we can't, the do comes regardless of our prayer. It's not a place that we can sort of get the do for us. Because the do just comes on its own. But on the other hand, we still can pray that it should be for a bracha. So that means certain things, again, certain things we can't even pray for. It's really totally up to Hashem. And certain things, even though we can't influence it, but yet we can still pray for it, that it should be for a blessing, it should come out in a good way. So the Rebbe says like this, the uh, actual Mariv, you know, once we have Daven Shacharis and Mincha we could davin Mariv why? because Mariv is like we're asking what we've already accomplished in Shacharit and Mincha we're asking that it should come down for a blessing the Mariv sort of we're asking that it should come down for a blessing because while it's optional because we can't we, we can't accomplish it. It's been accomplished from before. The Mariv does not accomplish it. It's, it. That's why it's optional. But it still can channel that the blessings that we got down from Shachar to mincha should go in the right way. That's why it's optional. But the prayer of Ashray is a prayer explained in the terms of the Kabbalah that that reaches the root of uh, bringing down that union which brings down all the blessings into the world it's called a a yichud, the yichud meaning that union just like physically in the Kabbalah uh, physically creation is done by a male and a female, a man and a woman, likewise all the energy flows that come from the Kabbalistic spheres, which is Zohar, Malchus, which is the masculine and the feminine, in the Holy Spheres, through their union, that's where the flows come from, that's where all the blessings comes from in the beginning. So, in other words, the prayer of Tehillah le David, the profound prayer, we say that, we said before, giving all the, that is a prayer which is not just directing, that brings from the source. That cannot be done even in an optional way and the Rebbe goes through I mean it's a a little bit of a complex and perhaps you know uh, it gets more involved over there the Rebbe also explains because the Rebbe's father and his notes on the Zohar has a little bit different take on it and the Rebbe sort of reconciles according to the revealed level and according to the inner level but uh, the Rebbe brings out that while in the revealed level we have a limited place that we can solicit Hashem's blessing, but in the inner level we actually have more power to solicit even in a higher level and that's according to the inner level. Basically, we're saying that this prayer of Tehillah Le David is so powerful but it's not something which can become mandatory or it can not even become optional. The uh, the power we gain from the prayers of the Mariv as it transfers to Shacharit, we specifically didn't put it by Mariv. We put Mar? it... In. Hello? Now can I can you hear can- you. How? Huh? Huh? You can hear me? Yes, now I could. Oh, of okay. Okay. So, um, the the fact that the um, the powers and the, the, the pusik puts it in in such a way that the, the order is... So, basically, as it turns out, when we daven mariv with Voluntarily, but with Davan Mariv, that gives the energy for the ashray that comes before the Amidam. Because it also says in the interesting in the in the in the in the Zohar it also states over there that you shouldn't ask for your own uh, needs before giving Hashem his needs, his praise. So basically first you praise Hashem. And then you say, oh, Hashem, give me my needs. Poseyach es that you open your hand, you give us all our needs. So, how is it that we do the ashray before the Amidah? So, Rabbi says, basically, the ashray before the Amidah and Shachris is a continuation from the Marif. So, it, that ashray before the, the ashray that comes before the amida of shakris is a follow up to the amida of mirif and that influences the the ashray that precedes uh, that the first ashre the second ashray that comes after the amida that belongs to the shachris and then by mincha how can we say ashray before the amida that's because it's influenced by the Shacharit Amida, also for the Min Khazrabi explains. Basically, all these three prayers at the end of the day sort of are somewhat connected. We specifically did not put an ashray to Myriv because we wanted to make a distinction that this ashray that we're saying is not a mandatory ashray, or it's not even something that we can solicit. That's why it has not been put in mirage. But yet, according to the inner meaning of things, the deeper meaning of things, we still can solicit even the ashray. But we're not going to put it right by mirage, so not to confuse it. We're going to put it two times by chakras and once by Nencha. But, now that we know that very important to say uh, uh, Hashrei, the special prayers, especially that verse, as I said, you know, and La'alacha is that if a person, uh, if a person knows, if a person knows that he will not Uh, that he doesn't have kavana. Let's say you davened. You just said the words, you didn't think what you were saying. So most of the davening, okay, you didn't think what you're saying. But by Ashrei, you have to repeat the prayer if you don't think the words of You open your hand and you give every living thing. Over there, if you didn't think what you were saying, then you would have to do the Ashrei again. Just like the Shema Yisrael, you have to think the words that you're saying. If you didn't think what you're saying then you'd have to do it again. So that means to say that we know that it's important prayer. And I guess for practical purposes once we uh, uh, take the time to daven, maybe we should concentrate and do that chapter. That is the first of the last chapters of the Tehillim. You say Tehillah David, then you say the Halilukas, the formal till chapter 150, which is the final chapter of the Tehillim. And that's all comes in the verses of song that leads up to the Shema Yisrael, to the blessings of the Shema. So that's an important part of the prayer. So even if you can't daven, or you don't have the time to daven, But you want to make sure that you are going to get Olam Habah. And uh, tell you a quick story with that. So there was once a fellow who was who was poor, and he was a uh, a chassid of a certain rebbe, and he had children needed to marry them off. he He needed the dowry. He didn't have any money. So he went to his Rebbe, and he said to his Rebbe, I need your help. Uh, what am I going to do? I don't have any money. I need to marry off my kids. I have no money. Rebbe opens up his uh, drawer, takes out one, one ruble, and he says, here, He says, this is for you. Uh, the first deal that you come across, I want you to buy it buy the first deal and God will bless you. He comes, goes out happy but he didn't have anywhere to go or what to do he didn't, so he goes to the shul. In the corner of the shul there were a bunch of merchants they were selling uh, diamonds and other precious stones. There's a lot of commotion going on in the back of the shul. He was sitting though he walks over to them and they look at him he didn't look like uh, dressed like he was uh, any, uh, any ability to buy anything but they said to him, why, are you, uh, you you want to buy? Yeah, he says, you know, I want to buy something. My Rebbe told me to buy, you know, the first deal. So he says, how much money you got? He says, I got one ruble. He says, one ruble? You, <laughs> He must be joking. You know, the cheapest diamond, you know, that we have here costs 5,000 rubles, you know. What do you want to do? So he says... Well, I don't know. Oh, he says, but well, wait a minute. The guy said the guy looked like a little bit like he wasn't too smart. He wasn't the brightest bulb in town. So he he says to him, you know what? I got something to sell you for a ruble. He says, I want to sell you my olam haba, my portion in the world to come. He said, Would you buy it for a ruble? He says, Yeah. My rebbe said, Go ahead, buy the first. So he says, He says, Give him the ruble. He said, Yeah, 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 but. We have to make a contract, he says. You know, we're not going to just... Okay, so he calls the other people that were witnessing, and then he's laughing, you know, that the guy gave away his last ruble, you know, his imaginary sale. Anyways, he comes home and he's still laughing. He smiles from ear to ear. His wife says, he says, my wife, he says, you wouldn't, <coughs> you wouldn't believe what I just did. You know, I got this poor, <coughs> you know, Kuni Lemo. He didn't. He just sold me his, al- his last ruble he gave me. I sold, him, I sold him my Olam Habo. His wife says, what? You sold him your Olam Habo? <laughs> you better go right back. He says, I don't even know if you have any oilum." <laughs> and you know, you think you're a big merchant? It's my father that gave you all the money. That you're there, and you know, you better go back. I don't want you to come back home. Until you get back to your Olam Habo. He says, it was just a joke. It was just. It wasn't serious. She says, I don't want to know nothing. I want you to go back and make sure, buy him out whatever he wants. I'm going to go with you. I'm standing in the back outside by the door of the shul, and you bring me back that the note was uh, taken back and that he, he bought back. He has no choice, he comes back to the shul. This poor kid is still standing there in the corner learning, and he comes over to him, he says to him, the you know, it was just a joke. You know, here's your ruble. I'll give you another five rubles. Give me back that document that I sold my little He said, nothing doing. He says, my Rebbe told me to buy the first thing. That's what I did. I'm not doing anything else without the Rebbe. Here's 20 rubles. He said, he comes back to his wife, this guy, the guy wants, she says, I don't want to know. Whatever he wants, just give it to him. Get back your Elam So, <laughs> anyway, so... The guy says "This. So what do you want? Uh, he says, the only thing I agree is come back to, with me to my Rebbe and whatever Rebbe says to do, we'll do. He comes into the Rebbe and he <laughs> shows him, tells him the whole story and the Rebbe tells him, look you Baruch Hashem, God has helped you you have good, make a good living Pernod said, this guy needs to marry off his daughters help him make his wedding give him enough money so that he can make a wedding and then he'll give you back the note. Okay, finally they agreed, and so he was happy. So finally the, the wife asks the Rebbe, she says, Rebbe, I, I have but one question for you. He says, I want to know if my husband's Olam ba <laughs> was worth a ruble. What was the value of it? So the Rebbe said, listen, before he did this mitzvah, I don't know if it was worth a ruble, but after you did this big mitzvah of helping this other yid make his wedding and make him happy now it's worth a lot, a lot. so here we see Olam Haba if you do three times ashrei, you can get all your Olam Haba. <laughs> you don't have to sell it so Mitz Hashem, until next week I'll say goodbye